Welcome to issue 209 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Fight Games. Here we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel, and I'm joined tonight by my dear friend, Steve. How are you, sir? Feeling good, Daniel. Just can't keep away from you. There's some sort of pull. Coffee's <laughs> pulling me towards you. Oh, weird. Yeah. Weird. It weird. must be my magnetic personality, Steve. Oh, yeah. Ba-boom. Yeah. <laughs> must be. Uh, but, Steve, yeah. the lair's kind of empty tonight. Thanks. Yeah, no mic. Uh, Just you and me. Yeah, it's just you and me. I, you know, Mike's busy doing his thing. And the minions, you know, they've kind of gotten themselves in trouble lately. They're starting, yeah. Their heads are starting to get so big they can't fit through the little minion doors. So I figured we're going to give them a week off. We're not going to yeah. have any of them upstairs. Yeah, good, you know? good. I feel like we've overtasked them or they sort of forgot kind of hierarchies of things. So, yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, other than that, Daniel, uh, what's yeah. on your mind tonight? Oh, well, you know, I would feel bad, you know, just saying what I did about the minions because <laughs> Steve, I want to thank Eric S., who's a Patreon supporter of the show. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Now, Steve, have you have you noticed that it's like, it's like a bit of smell in the lair? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I Recently. found it. I found the source of that. Oh, excellent. You know what it is? It, I have it's no idea. All the uniforms from the minions, like, you know, the red shirts. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know that those uniforms, they started out white and turned red from, well, I don't know what, but with all the stuff that leaks out when you so-called hero shoot, you, listen. Oh. Anyway, so, like, there's a bunch of red shirts in the corner. I found it kind of not, not even near the laundry room. But anyway, Eric, we're going to have to have you bleach out the red shirts so we can get them back to white and, you know, reuse them. and. I don't know if it's going to help with the smell. It might not, but <laughs> the next round of minions are going to look pretty snazzy, Steve. Oh, yeah. That'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Get back in there mm-hmm. with the whites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eric. Uh, thank thanks you, Eric. for being a patron. We love the support. Absolutely. Now, Steve, mm. I yeah. really hope you have brought with you tonight an incredible story. Keep on hoping. No. Uh- <laughs> I mean, it's, when it's just you and me, when it's just you and me in the layer like this, I just. I just kind of like to kick back with some Thor's brew and, you know, hear you, hear you talk. All right. Well, I'm going to disappoint you, but I will try not to. How about that? Well, so. what do you mean? Hold on. I'm, well, getting, I'm, getting, a Thor's, I'm getting a Thor's beer out of the fridge. Hold on a sec. All right. I, I don't want you to set your hopes too high, uh, but we are going to talk about uh, Max Einhardt. Who's that? Well, he's otherwise known as Eric Magnus Lenscher. Still not helping me. Who is that? Uh, Michael Xavier. Xavier. Uh, that sounds okay. familiar. Magneto. He goes by Magneto oh. a lot of times. Yes. You know what? I don't really know much about the lore of this stuff, but I've heard of Magneto. Yeah, he's a big character, and going into the lore for Magneto could be... It's a lot. It's a lot, let's say that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do Magneto. I Hopefully I do him justice, and folks enjoy this. So. Well, I'll try not to interrupt, but I might have some questions here and there if that's all right. Yeah, that's totally fine, as always. 
Okay, so I'm going to give you some basic backstory okay. history bits. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to shift gears after that. So Magneto was born Max Eisenhart sometime in the late 1920s to a middle-class German Jewish family whose father, Jacob, was a highly decorated World War I veteran. Hmm. Surviving discrimination and hardship during the Nazi rise to power and Kristallnacht and the passing of the Nuremberg Laws, in 1939, Max and his family had fled to Poland, uh, where they were eventually captured by the German invasion, and they were sent to a Warsaw ghetto. Okay. Okay. Max and his family escaped the ghetto, only to be betrayed and captured again. His, oh. yeah, his mother, father, and sister were all executed and buried in a mass grave. Uh, but Max survives this, uh, possibly due to the manifestation of his powers. He escapes the mass grave, and he is ultimately captured yet again and sent to Auschwitz, where he eventually becomes a Sonderkommando. What, is that, what does that mean? Uh, he's one of the prisoners working for the prison guards okay. in order to stay alive, right? He's, I see, I see. He's okay. doing the dirty work that he doesn't want to do. But <clears throat> um, while at Auschwitz, uh, Eisenhart here, he's, re he's reunited with a Roma girl named Magda, whom he had fallen in love with when he was younger, okay. and who and with whom he escapes the prison camp during the October seventh, nineteen forty four revolt. Okay. So, following the war, he and Magda moved to the Ukrainian city of Vinnytsia. I hope I say these words right. Uh, and Max adopts the name Magnus at this point. Okay. So Magda and Magnus have a daughter named Anya. And they live an uneventful life until one night when an angry mob, spurred on by the first real manifestation of Magnus's powers, uh, burned down their home with their daughter Anya still inside. Enraged at the mob for preventing him from rescuing his daughter Anya, the young Magnus's powers just manifest uncontrollably. He kills the entire mob and destroys a massive part of the city. Magna, terrified at Magnus's power, left him and later gives birth to the mutant twins Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch before she walks off and just dies. Now, Wait, wow, really? Yeah, maybe retcon, who knows? We, we continue to not really know if Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are his children, if they're mutants or not. It's a whole thing. But at one point, that is the story. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not considered mutants in our game, right? Nope, not in our mm -hmm. game. Nor in, like, the Scarlet Witch show, right? They're not, so... Right. However, they are in the very first incarnation of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. They're, like, two of the... They're there oh. at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, wanted by the authorities for the death and destruction of the town Vinistia, while searching for Magna, Magnus uh, pays a Romanian forge, forger, George Odenkirk, to create a cover identity of Eric Lencher, a Sinti gypsy, and that's where most people would know his name being Eric Lencher, which is what the name they use in the movies. Okay. Okay. So that's like a real basic him growing up story. That's a, you know, a devastating backstory. It is. Um, and that sort of sets the groundwork for a lot of what goes on. Okay. But, okay. So I just want to shift gears a little. Okay. okay. As Dostoevsky once observed, nothing is easier than to denounce the evildoer Nothing is more difficult than to understand him. Man, Steve, we need that poster on the wall here in the lair. <laughs> Definitely. That's an incredible quote. Yeah, it's very fitting, right? I mean, hero, 
villain. The, the terms are utterly meaningless, really, as all of us are just flawed, fragile human beings facing very complex circumstances and being forced to make impossible choices all the time. Okay, yeah. And that's, that's our character here, right? So let's ask the fundamental question that he asks himself in the Magneto issue number one. Who is Magneto? So he first arrives in the comics at Cape Citadel in X-Men number one in 1963. And right off the bat, most people see him there as a one-dimensional villain. A raging, out-of-control lunatic who's desired nothing less than the subjugation of the human race. What they didn't understand then was what he couldn't let them understand. That Magneto was simply a mask. A role that he is playing. A game that he wants to play for the benefit of mutant kind in perhaps the entire world. At this point, the humans feared mutants. They hated them. They still do, honestly. But they needed a focus, a singular object to hone in on, and Magneto provided it for them. Now, on purpose? On purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. The melodramatic name, the helmet, the cape, the righteous anger, the arrogance, the merciless threat to everything they held dear. This character of Magneto became the total manifestation of humanity's mutant nightmares. Okay. And that, of course, allows the X-Men to step forward to save the world from him. Of course Charles Xavier would unleash his X-Men to stop Magneto, to protect those very people that despise them. Because then humanity would say, see, they aren't all bad. There are good mutants too, putting their lives at risk for us. Wow. And, and maybe, Magneto thinks, maybe over time, the image of mutants would evolve from monsters to equals. Or not, but that is the goal. That's his goal. Uh, there's, there's always a chance that like, the X-Men would fail, or that humanity's hate would just deepen or calcify to become maybe permanently embedded in their DNA. And, and if that was the case, then he would have to embrace the role of Magneto that he made and truly become him and grind humanity beneath his boot heels. Huh, but that's not his original intent. Okay. That's not the... No, no. He really wanted to kind of play a certain long game where he sacrifices himself. Right. Fascinating. Okay. So, of course, his childhood is always there to accuse him. He would always have that little boy that he would see, you know, from Auschwitz, who watched his family perish at the hands of the Nazis, judging him, pleading with him to stop using their methods. To call out to him, to point out that if he continued on the path, there would be no difference between Magneto and the Nazis. He knew Max, that little boy that he once was, wasn't real, but he's always there in his mind. That boy was his doubt, his guilt, his shame, his conscience. Of course, there's no room for doubt with what Magneto needed to do, and there's no place for shame. So he buried that little child, suppressed him, just like he had to do his mother and his father and all of his siblings, all of them. And he went on with his game. Perhaps those X-Men could succeed. Perhaps through them, humans would see mutant kind with the eyes of compassion. Those youngsters would give people hope. They'd give him hope. They'd give him even pride. And like I said, of course, if it fails, he always has his incredible power to just destroy them all. Hmm. But would he actually do that? Would he actually raise Earth? Would he just slaughter whole populations just so that his people could live free? What's that saying? We are what we pretend to be. He certainly pretended to be Magneto a great deal, blurring the line between the man and the mask. And who knows? 
The truth is far more complex and far more unforgiving, just like Magneto. Wow. Steve, thank you for that. That's incredible. You're welcome. I mean, that backstory and the the initial goal, I mean, the complexity that that lends to this character is, I mean, no wonder he's one of the most interesting and deep characters in all the lore here, right? I mean... Right, yeah. <clears throat> People really, you can see him trying from all angles, suffering for his cause, suffering for others, and then doing what he has to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. And he that... comes from a difficult background, too, right? So. Yeah, my goodness. Um, I mean, it makes, uh, kind of explains why he might kind of waffle between hero and villain in this campaign. Yeah, it right. might. Yeah, absolutely. Now, next week, we'll talk a little bit about some stories. We'll do a villain's bookshelf, and I'll suggest some reading to people, because he shows up in 1963, uh, what is that, 60 years ago, plus? And yeah. it's just too much to ever try to talk about <laughs> all, all of the stories he's done, yeah. right? Yeah. I tried to give my uh, Daniel-esque version of it. So No, that was good. Now, have you seen all the movies that he's in? Yes. Do they do a good job of capturing him in the films? I know I've watched the X-Men movies maybe like long ago, though, when they first came out. I don't really remember them. He seemed cardboardy, kind of villainy, but I can't remember. Maybe I'm misremembering okay. it. So. so the original X-Men movies with um, when he's played by Gandalf. Yeah. He's not Gandalf uh, anymore? No, right? Uh, what's the actor's name? It, Sir Ian, right? Ian McKellen, uh, yes. Ian McKellen. He's sort of already very old at that point. Um, right, right. He kind of makes this point that like him and Xavier are friends, and there was some history there and his purpose, maybe. Um, when he's pl- the newer one, when he's played by Michael Fassbender, uh, oh. they kind of they start. It's the Days of Future Past where they're like it's the prequels and they're really young. Okay. Um, okay. You see a lot more of his. Struggle his initial desire to be a good guy and how that works out for him, how that works out for Xavier. Uh, you see, he has a family and that family is killed. And, like, you know, so I think they try, they try to do him justice, specifically in the newer Days of Future Past movies. Um, I don't, I I don't think they you get a great of that in the originals, but it's it is there, it is present. So awesome. Well, thank you, Steve. That was. That was great. Like, I, like I said, I didn't know much about him other than, you know, he's the big baddie in some of those movies. So that's great. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at Magneto, shall we, Ben? Sure. All right. So, <clears throat> you and Genesis campaign box. I'm not going to say that too many more times. Uh, the fifth and <laughs> final scenario. Fifth and final scenario. We, we've okay. made it. They suggested you play with the Acolytes modular set that we have talked about in the previous weeks. There are 30 total cards. And tonight we'll look at the villain, the main scheme, and a couple setup side schemes. Um, right. Oh, I get to read Magneto, don't well, I? Of course you do. All three of them. All right, Magneto, level one, is a two scheme, two attack, Brotherhood of Mutants, steady, toughness with the forced response. After Magneto attacks you, place one magnet counter on the main scheme. Is 18 health per player, and it says... To oppose the master of magnetism is to invite your own destruction. 18 health for level yeah. one. Yeah. That seems chunky. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right, level two 
is a two-scheme three-attack. Brotherhood of Mutants, steady, toughness. After Magneto attacks, you put one Magnet Counter on the main scheme. 20 health per player. And he also has, when revealed, deal each player a face-down encounter card. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And Magneto level three is a three-scheme, three-attack. Brotherhood of Mutants, steady, toughness. After Magneto attacks you, put a magnet counter on the main scheme. Deal each when revealed. Deal each player face down a counter card, and twenty-two health per player. He's sort of the Green Goblin. He's big. Yeah, he is giving the cards out and stuff. Yeah. Um, aside from the hit points, though, um, he seems pretty standard, right? Yeah, steady is nice for the villain. It's not stalwart, so you can still right. stun or confuse him. Just you have to do a little work for it. Toughness, okay, a lot of health. Uh, you know, 2-2, two, 2-3, two, two, three, 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 those are pretty okay stats. A lot of hit points and extra yeah. cards. So I got I got two questions for you, Steve. One is lore-ish and one is gameplay. Which one do you want first? Uh, hit me with the lore. Okay. His trait, isn't he above the Brotherhood of Mutants? Isn't he like their boss? Well, he's still a member of them. He is one of them. They're his really? people. They're his people, right? I mean, yes, but he's like the CEO, right? Yeah, not always. I mean, there are various versions of the Brotherhood of Mutants. There's plenty of versions where he's not even part of it. Um, but All he right. founds them. I think you wouldn't say, I don't know, Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, isn't a member of the Buffalo Bills or their coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. I think of Magneto as like the guy in the front office who pulls he- all the strings. He's still part of that organization. Okay, okay. I mean, they want to give him a like, mutant trait, so they're going to give him... I think of all the mutants. chumps that share that trait. He seems above it. But anyway, yeah. my other question is gameplay. Steve, let me ask you this about steady. I personally see that keyword and treat it exactly like stalwart in my mind. I don't try to stun or confuse steady villains. Do you? Occasionally. Really? Because I just find it's just too. it's just too I- much. It, it is it is difficult. Part of it is, I'll build a deck and not necessarily know who I'm going to take it up against. Sure. I don't necessarily build specifically for a villain. So if I have a deck that does stuns and confuse, and then I end up playing against Magneto, then it's, it has stuns and confuse, so I might as well try to use them. Yeah, I'm not going to stun lock them every single turn, but every couple turns, I'm going to get sure. that, rep- that break. So, so it's worth it. It's worth it to you. I think so. Um... However, it does definitely dissuade me, and it makes me look at other targets for the stun or the confuse, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Sure, he might. we could half-stun him. We could half-confuse him. Or we could stun Nimrod. I don't know if he has steady or not. We could, we could stun a Sentinel, and that just make that much easier. Like, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I will, def- I will share the wealth in those cases instead of... But I, I see what you're saying, though. I mean, I, I would think a lot yeah, of people... Yeah, I see that keyword. I'm like, eh, that's <laughs> not worth it. Is it worth it? Now, sometimes you just... You play Professor X and you get it confused. You're like, well, I might as well put it on him just in case, right? Like, yeah. Sure. And I guess in a multiplayer game with all sorts of people throwing those things around, maybe. Yeah, yeah. sometimes in a multiplayer game, you have too much stun. And in, this, in that case, you can pile it on. And, okay, we actually stunned him. Yeah. All right. But... Well, let's talk about his main schemes, Steve. So scheme 1A is Asteroid M. Magneto floats above the Earth in his orbital sanctuary. So contents, the standard Magneto 1 and 2 or 2 and 3 if you're playing expert. And as you said before, uh, 
the modular set they recommend is Acolytes. Um, and again, that's only recommended, right? Right. Okay. The only ones you're supposed to put in there are Magneto and Standard. And in setup, you set the orbital decay side scheme aside and reveal the boarding party side scheme. So that's a lot going on in setup. Well, then you flip the card to 1B, and it's uh, five threat per player. Forced response. After you place a magnet counter on this scheme, if there are at least three magnet counters here, discard cards from the encounter deck until a magnetic card is discarded. Reveal that card, then remove three magnet counters from this scheme. Okay. And it's a plus one threat per player uh, each villain phase and starts with one threat per player. Okay. Yeah, so this is Magneto's base. His floating right. asteroid thing. Right, which he yeah. keeps aloft by his, like, sometimes he keeps aloft by his own power. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, one of those great, great schemes that hints at so many other cool things. Right. Magnet counters and, and other side schemes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back. Let's come back to Orbital Decay and Boarding Party, and let's talk about magnet yeah. counters. Okay. So anytime he attacks only attacks should be noted. Yep. Okay, so after he attacks you, he's gonna put a magnet counter on the main scheme. So if you do stun him, he won't get a magnet counter. So there's that. Okay, that's good. Yep. And uh it's gonna be putting multiplayer game. He's gonna attack three players, he's gonna put three magnet counters on. The third guy in line is gonna put that third magnet counter on and then do the effect on asteroid M, right? Yep. I get attacked, we put a counter on. You get attacked, we put a counter on. Mike gets attacked, puts a counter on. He has to do the thing. Yep. So, And we'll learn about these magnetic cards next week. Correct. But what we should mention is there are 11 of them by title, 16 total in the encounter mm. deck. So there's 16 total magnet cards in the encounter deck. It's going to happen. Yeah, if you look at the rest of the composition of the encounter deck, you're going to have six non-magnetic cards that come with Magneto. Seven cards that come in the standard set. And if you're playing with Acolytes, it's seven more. So you have 36 total cards. It's like a 44% chance that you're going to hit a... Uh, you would hit a card almost like the first one, right? And yeah. you're going to discard until you hit one. So there's no there's no chance you don't get one. It's just how fast you get one. Yeah, right. So How far down you go before you start putting uh, acceleration tokens out. Right. right. I don't think you... I think because there are so many of them, I don't think you will right. discard too much. He's not going to burn through it as fast as some other villains might do it. Like uh, Ebony Maw, there's only like, what, eight invocations in his deck or whatever it is. So you, you right, really have to right. dig to get them. Yeah. Huh. All right. All right. Why don't you keep going with the main schemes? Okay. You don't want to pivot over to Boarding Party and uh, Orbital Sanctuary? No, I think we hit all the main schemes and then we'll pivot over to the that. Done. Done. So... Uh, Factory Online is our second scheme to a when revealed place a magnet counter here. If Sabotage Master Mold is not in the victory display, the first player searches the encounter deck and discard pile for a copy of the M-type Sentinel minion and reveals it. Flip that over and it's six threat per player and reads forced response. After you place a magnet counter on the scheme, if there are at least three, it's the same as the first one. Right. Plus one per player, it starts with one per player. Hmm. All right, so if you okay. let Magneto do his thing long enough, he's turned on his his factory, and he's producing his own sentinels. He's using the enemy's tech against them, and you're going to have to fight one. Okay. okay. Nope. Just great, just great. the first player. Just the first player. Yeah, okay. 
And right. then finally it all ends with, is that true? Yes, it all ends with 3A, mm -hmm. the rule of Magnus. When revealed, place two magnet counters here. If physical strain is not attached to Magneto, the first player searches the encounter deck and discard pile for a magnetic attachment and reveals it. Flip this card to 3B, seven threat per player. Um, the exact same force response after placing a magnet counter here. If the stage is completed, guess what happens, Steve? Oh, I hope those heroes lose. Those heroes lose. And yeah, also, okay. plus one per player starts with one per player. So right. it's interesting, like, once you play this a couple of times or blind played it once, you know the kind of the things you need to do before each one flips. Right. You've, yeah. the heroes are doing a thing on the schemes we haven't talked about, and he's mm -hmm. doing a thing on his scheme. You can let him advance a little bit, Right, there's three. He's got three, but then at a certain point, you got to stop because you're going to suffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk, Steve, about these side schemes. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So the you're going to start with boarding party out to stop Magneto's nefarious plan. You must first board asteroid M. Mm. It starts with three threat per player. Magneto. This is the important part here. This is the real fun part. Magneto cannot have more than six damage per player. Six sustained damage per player. So he has, well, let's say we're playing standard, he has 18 health per player. You can only do six maximum to him if this card is still in play. So you have to clear this before you can do any more damage to him, which is neat. Mm -hmm. And like then it has, yeah, then it has the when defeated flip this card and reveal sabotage master mold, uh, which on the backside here is sabotage master mold. Master Mold has been reprogrammed. You must take it offline before it can create human hunting sentinels. And there's a picture of uh, Wolverine there chopping it up. So, again, three threat per player. Magneto cannot have more than 12 sustained damage per player. And when defeated, reveal the set-aside orbital decay side scheme. Add this card to the victory display. I feel like I see where this is headed, Steve. Yeah. Well, orbital decay. You ready for this one? I am. Okay, Magneto is an indomitable foe. The only way to ensure his defeat is to destroy the asteroid base by crashing it to Earth. Oh. Like, that won't cause some problems. I feel like that's going to be, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. own kind of devastation here. Yeah. All right, okay. Magneto cannot have more than 18 sustained damage per player. Again, it's three threat per player on this scheme. And when defeated, flip this card and reveal physical strain. Which is an attachment that you, it's a condition that you attach to Magneto. It's permanent, Steve. It's going to be there forever once it shows up. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I like it. I like when Magneto gets attachments. Yeah, except this time he loses steady. Oh, dang mm. it. Yeah. As Asteroid M begins its uncontrolled plummet, Magneto uses his power to hold it together even as he fights with you. Yeah, that's how powerful he is, right? He's, he's fighting the X-Men and keeping an asteroid aloft. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it's worth 18 hit points per player. Yeah. So the key the key here is once you flip the physical strain, he can suffer as much damage as you want to deal him so you can actually finish him off, right? Right. So you uh, kind of have to speed through these side schemes, which is really hard to do when we, you know, when we talk about the scenario. It <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one really gets you from like, it's like, oh, okay, I just need to get through these side schemes. Like, eh, it's not quite that easy. Now, if you're playing on standard, you only have to get to orbital decay. If orbital decay is up, it's 18 damage per player. He only has 18 hit points, so you can defeat his level one 
his level one. I was going to say just that, yeah, yeah. and then. Right. But then, in order to defeat his level two, now that he has more health, yeah, you have to flip it once more. Yeah, so it is a balancing act, which is pretty cool. And right, and like it's a race. So if you are focusing on removing threat from the side schemes and you're not worried about the main scheme, the main scheme will flip, uh, and you're like, that's not. Good. Did I clear this card? No, I didn't do it yet, so I get a Sentinel. Oh, did I clear this card? No, Magneto gets a magnetic attachment. You know, he gets he gets stronger. So, but that's pretty cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah, the the design of of the side schemes is really with like how they interact with the main and him. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good little triangle there. But again, we'll have more to say about that later. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, he's putting out magnet counters. You're dealing dealing extra cards to yourself. He's attacking nice. for. For two and a boost, three and a boost, yeah. So, pretty good. Uh, I like I like this. I like how it's a little different. It's kind of has that. Uh, it feels a little bit like Hella. I was just gonna say that, Steve. It has a Hella feel. Yeah. Right. You have to make specific progress elsewhere in order to progress the win condition for the heroes. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wonder if Mike likes this one better though. Cares what Mike thinks. I like it. There you go. I mean, if he was here, then I would care. I wouldn't say that he didn't hear me, Mike. You're not you know listening. What? Sorry, man. Sorry. You know what, Steve? I guess he could email us. He could. Well, if Mike wants to get a hold of us and tell us about mm-hmm. Magneto, how would he do it? Well, he, like everyone, would just email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. You know, he's also. you could also go to Facebook where we're Critical Encounters. He could find our YouTube, Twitch, Patreon by just searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, he would talk to one of us, Steve, or Vardane and Big Foam Loaf, and you know, he's wandering too. Now, folks, if you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Hey, Magneto, take us out. Right now, the world doesn't need heroes. It needs villains.